Genesis chapter number 19, verses number 12. Uh, the Bible declares, the two men said to Lot, do you have anyone else here? Sons-in-laws or daughters or anyone else in the city who belongs to you, get them out of here because we're going to destroy this place. The outcry to the Lord against the people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. Verses number 15, the Bible declares, with the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot saying, hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here or you will be swept away when the city is punished. When he hesitated, the Bible declares the men grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and of his two daughters and led them safely out of the city for the Lord was merciful to them. Somebody just help me preach that. Somebody just shout, the Lord was merciful. Yes. The Bible declares for the Lord was merciful to them. Verse number 17, as soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, flee for your lives. Don't look back. And don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. 23 declares, by the time Lot reached Zoar, the sun had risen over the land. Then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. 26 is where I'm going to hang my hat. But Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Father, now in Jesus' name, thank you once again for this word. It is already blessed. Touch the hearts of your people now, and it is in Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, and everybody typed, amen. Um, for those of you guys who's been with us for the past couple of weeks, we have been ministering on this particular subject, surviving loss, and um, it's been very, very powerful to me, and I really appreciate all the feedback that I've received from many of you guys, how the series thus far has blessed you. And one of the things that we have continued to say over and over concerning loss is the fact that all loss gives rise to grief. That's right. All loss gives rise to grief. I want to say that a different way. Um, just add a little different spin to it. This particular message. I want to say that all loss gives rise to expressions related to the pain of loss. Yeah. All, all loss gives rise to expressions related to the pain of loss. And the reason I wanted to, to change that, that, that definition just a little bit because I wanted to highlight the word pain. If you experience loss you, loss, you automatically go into a state of grieving. And when you grieve, you grieve because it hurts. Come on, somebody. I remember years ago, my first son, Robert, when he passed away, as we were leaving the hospital, I, I remember saying to my father, I said, Dad, my, my, my chest hurts, man. It's like, it's like a knife is in my chest. It was more than just emotional distress or the pressure of the situation or the disappointment of what happened to my boy, but it felt like something physical. And it's very interesting. I was doing um, research on, on uh, the expressions of grief, and one of the resources that I read, it said that the mothers, they interviewed mothers who had lost children, and they said that they were experiencing physical pains in their chest, in their arms, in their back. And when they did research on where they were hurting, they found out that these are all the muscles that are activated when you are holding and nursing a baby. These mothers, they were grieving and they were experiencing physical pain. I'm telling you today by experience and many of you guys where you are right now, you are in pain because you're grieving and you are grieving because you have experienced loss. Now, again, we've said this many times for the past couple of weeks. There are many of us that are grieving and don't know that we're grieving because we only associate grief with death. Well, well, death is just one type of loss. There are some of you guys who have lost opportunities. You have lost relationships, not just by death, but just by disconnection. Uh, there are some of us that are experiencing loss of norm due to the pandemic. And because of loss, again, we are experiencing grief. And because of grief, we can feel the pain where we are. So Pastor McGee, I need you to help me today. What, what do I do, man of God, with this pain that I feel in my heart right now, man, because of the loss that I'm experiencing. What do I do with this hurt, 
this dagger that seems as though that is wiggling in my chest. I, I want to give you I want to give you some instructions today. For anyone that is grieving, you must go through what's called the mourning process. Help help me to just minister that just for a moment. Just type mourning process. That's right. Everyone that's grieving, everyone that has gone through a loss, because every loss has to be grieved. Every grief has to go through a mourning process if you're going to go come out on the other end successful. Now understand our title of this, of this series is Surviving Loss, but in all actuality, I want to say this with all sensitivity if I can. Uh, at the end of loss, on the other side of loss, my friend, I just don't want to survive, but I want to thrive. How can you say that, Pastor? Because the type of God that I serve, well, the Bible declares that he's able to take all situations, all things, and work them together for my good. If that's the kind of God that I serve, even after great loss, there should be not just survival. Come on. There should be thriving on the other side of loss. Can you say amen right there? So when you are grieving, you must go through what's called the mourning process. I want to highlight this definition. The mourning process simply is walking through the necessary challenges of adjusting to life without law, with, with excuse me, uh, of adjusting to life without the object of your affection. Let me say it again. Mourning process is walking through the ne necessary challenges of adjusting to life without the object of your affection. Key word is challenge, and there are four challenges that I want to offer to you guys. And I, I like using the word challenges. There are certain psychiatrists and certain uh, uh, counselors. They use stages of grief. They, they, they use uh, steps of grief. I don't really like uh, the word steps. I don't like the word stages because um, they imply that I go through grief in order, in a particular order, number one. And then secondly, it implies that I sit back and I just allow time to come by. The devil is absolutely a liar. I want to help somebody here today. Uh, somebody told me one, years ago when I was going through some great loss in my life, they said that time heals all wounds. Well, that is a partial true and a partial true, my friend, is a whole lie. Time does not heal all wounds. Wounds, what you choose to do with time has the potential to heal the wounds. I wonder, can you say amen right there? It's what you do. So I like using the word challenge because whenever there is a challenge, that means that there is something on your part that you must do. So I want to highlight four challenges in the morning process that will get you on the other side of your loss where you not only survive, my friend, where you can thrive. Challenge number one is simply accepting the reality of the loss. Now, I said simply, but in all actuality, for most people, this is really not that easy because sometimes, sometimes death, sometimes loss hits you by surprise. You just never expected to have this particular loss in your life. And sometimes it's hard to shake and come alive to the fact that the, that the reality is that there is separation between myself and the object of my affection. Uh, one of the resources that I read by William Ward, he had this to say concerning the reality of loss. He says, when someone dies... Even if, the death is even if the death is expected, there is always a sense that it hasn't happened. The first task of grieving is to come full faced with the reality that the person is dead, that, that the person is gone and will not return. Now, I just want to pause there for a moment, and, and maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, because it's, it's hard to grieve death, my God. <laughs> it's hard to grieve death, but let me tell you what's harder than grieving death is grieving life. Come on, somebody, because when you go through a grieving process when somebody dies, yes, the, 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 the reality is quicker to set in, but when there has been the death of something alive, when there has been a separation of something alive and you're supposed to go on with your life, there's always this thing in your heart. You're hoping for it to be resurrected again. Oh my goodness. But he says the first task of grieving is to come full face with the reality that the person is dead, that the person is gone and will not, will not return. He goes on to say the bereaved person may be intellectually aware of the finality of the loss long before the emotions allow full acceptance of the information is true. That's so powerful. So intellectually, you know what's going on, but your emotions are still in, I'm talking about an uproar because they, won't, they don't want to let go of what it is that you lost. Finally, concerning the first challenge, he says, it is easy to believe that the loved one is still away 
on a trip or has gone to the hospital. So the first challenge is simply accepting the reality of the loss. Challenge number two is embracing the pain, knowing that one day it will subside. Now, this is this is a real challenge for many people, because if you like me, I don't like I don't like pain. I, I'm telling you, I don't like no type of pain at all. I get ready to go for my annual checkup and the doctor want to stick me and I try to convince him, doc, is, is it another way for you to check my blood? Come on, somebody, right, other than sticking a needle in my arm. I don't like any type of pain and most people don't like pain, but a part of the mourning process is embracing the pain. Warden, he goes on to say, it is necessary for the bereaved person to go through the pain. Oh, I just, just, just. Just preach to yourself and just say, I've got to go through the pain. I just, come on, come on. I know some of y'all, half of y'all ain't going to even type it. But for the ones that's bold enough, come on and help me to preach to yourself and to your neighbor and just say, I must go through the pain. Because watch this. There are some people that choose not to go through the pain and they develop maladaptive behaviors to cope with the pain. In essence, they, they pick up, let me just say it plainly. They pick up sinful patterns that bring pleasure, that temporarily anesthetize the pain. But the reality is my friend if you don't go through the pain with with the understanding that there's coming a day that it, do, it won't hurt as much as it does today you might find yourself stuck in the middle of the mourning process he says it is necessary for the bereaved person to go through the pain of grief in order to process to progress through the mourning process anything that continually allows the person to avoid or suppress this pain can be expected to prolong the course of mourning. I don't know about you, my friend. I don't want to be in the wilderness longer than I have to. I don't want to be, yes, yes, I've gone through great loss, and the reality is I'm in the middle of a great loss right now. I'm, I'm grieving, and even, yes, I'm your pastor, and I'm telling you today, I myself am I'm traveling through this mourning process, and I know on the other side is deliverance. On the other side is a blessing. On the other side is not just survival. Matter Matter of fact, uh, as of today, uh, uh, Ty, we just changed. Uh, <laughs> we just changed the name of this series. It ain't surviving after loss, my friend. It is thriving after loss because I believe that's the type of God that we serve. Does it mean that I don't love people that left me? Does it mean that I don't love people that died? The devil is absolutely a liar. But I believe that God yet has a purpose for your life. I believe that the hand of God is still upon your life, and if God's hand is still upon my life, I don't. I just can't afford to survive, my. My friend oh, I've got to thrive somebody put that in the chat I've got to thrive I've got to thrive anything that continually allows the person to avoid or suppress this pain can be expected to prolong the course of mourning here's challenge number three challenge number three is making the essential adjustments to a world without the loss that's so powerful that's so powerful making the essential adjustments to a world without the loss now there are three areas of adjustments that you have to make externally internally and then spiritually let me define them when I speak of external adjustments I'm, I'm talking concerning the role of the the, that the person wants hell. That role is no longer being fulfilled by that person, so you have to make the adjustment. Either that means that you step in yourself to fulfill the role or you assign that role to somebody else. But nevertheless, it, it can't fall to the ground. The role has to be fulfilled, so you have to make the external adjustment. And then you have to make the internal adjustment, which simply means redefining one's self-worth. What are you trying to say, Pastor McGee? Well, oftentimes an individual's worth an individual's identity is tied to what they do and if they're no longer doing it then that means that their role excuse me their worth sometimes becomes diminished I'll give you an example a mother a mother who only has one child and that child life expires well sometimes mother's identities mother's worth is is rest rest in the fact that she is a mother well when the child ceases to be and she no longer operates the role as a mother to that child when when the role diminishes sometimes the worth the value of the individual diminishes but I come to let you know that you are still worth you are still worthy you still have value in the eyes of God you may have to redefine yourself come on somebody just type that I might need to redefine myself who I said who I say I am that's right matter of fact that would be a good prayer for many of us right now God who am I today
Yes, yes. Based on what I lost yesterday and last week, last month, last year, I might need to redefine myself and simply ask the question, God, who have you called me to be today? Can somebody say amen right there? Moving on to challenge number four, choosing how uh, to constructively, no, no, let me back up, let me back up, let me finish uh, challenge number three, externally making adjustments, internally making the adjustment, and then spiritually, yeah, making the adjustment. That was the challenge for me, spiritually, because when you spiritually adjust, that simply means that you reevaluate one's belief system concerning the laws. Uh, out of the three, this was the most challenging for me because, uh, yeah, it could be my pride, it could be my borderline cockiness, come on somebody, uh, but the reality is, years ago, there are certain things that I thought just couldn't happen to Greg McGee. Now, it could happen to the brother around the corner uh, or right down the street, but nothing like that could ever happen to me. And then the scripture manifested itself like never before, that it rains on the just, come on, as well as on the unjust. I had to reevaluate how I saw God. I had to reevaluate my theology uh, because God, the very thing that I said God probably, he would never do to me was, a, was the exact thing that he allowed to happen to me. I had to make some spiritual adjustments in my belief system yeah challenge number three choosing how to constructively remember the loss this ties into last week's message on what you choose to meditate on um I, I shared with you guys concerning uh my sister her passing away um the, the last month of of her life uh, there was a great tension between her and I and we never resolved it um, we, she went to her grave probably angry with me and, and I didn't know that I was going to lose my sister, but we, we never resolved that. And so I had to make a choice of what it was I was going to think of when I hear the name Jan. Are you going to think about the conflict? Are you going to think about the tension? And I'm telling you, the devil is absolutely a liar. And there's some of you guys right now, you're going through some rocky relationships. And one of the reasons why it continues to be rocky, it's because you have poor meditation. Here, here's the reality for goodwill people. I'm talking about goodwill relationship. What are you talking about goodwill relationship? I'm talking about two people. It could be it could be a husband and wife. It could be, it could be a son, a, a father. It could be employer, employer. You guys have a good connection, good will towards each other, but something happens in the relationship and, and you focus on what happened for five minutes, come on somebody, and negate the past five years of goodness in the relationship. You could be suffering from a bad memory, my friend. So I had to make the choice not to focus on the bad that was in Jan and I's relationship but I focus on what, what, what we had, what we had. Pastor, make this make sense, man. Are you just throwing me some psycho babble out there, man? No, let me give you some biblical context to undergird these four challenges. Um, we looked last week, I believe it was last week, yeah, we looked at Samuel and, and how God comes in and he separates he and Saul from one another. And Saul and Samuel goes through this grieving process. And here's the deal. Samuel, the Lord takes, he takes Samuel through these four challenges. Understand, I don't know how long the time was between each challenge and it's not a matter of stages you you face challenge one or challenge two there's some people that are never ever affected by the first two challenges but when you get to the third one or the fourth one I mean it takes you for a loop so this is not a successive order it's just four things that if you are experiencing loss and grieving you must go through so watch this in the book of first Samuel chapter number 15 verses number 35 he makes the first challenge a reality watch this in Samuel's life the Bible declares and Samuel did not see Saul again. God separated them and he says this relationship between king and prophet, it will no longer be between you two, but I'm raising up another man after my own heart. So Samuel made the decision that I am going to accept the reality of the separation. Number two, he embraced the pain, the Bible declares, and he cried to the Lord all night. He didn't try to anesthetize the pain. He didn't just try to suppress it, but he embraced the pain, understanding that it won't hurt as bad 
bad as it does right now always. Then third, he makes the adjustment. The Bible declares he filled his horn with oil and he went down to Jesse's house to anoint the next king. Yet see, understand this role as prophet, it was paired with the king. And when God removed Saul as king, watch this. I'm still calling you to be a prophet. Watch this, to pair with the king. But you're just going to have to make an adjustment because it won't be Saul, but it will be David. And then finally, God gives him directions of how you should remember Saul. Because as a prophet, um, it's easy for him to say that I am a failure. That's right. It's easy for him to look, to remember the relationship and to reflect to himself that I failed some type of way. And that's what some of you guys are right now. Yes, the relationship didn't go the way you wanted it to go. And some of you guys are putting the, the whole responsibility on your shoulder. Understand, I'm a different fellow right now. And let me tell you why I'm so different. Because God, yeah, this is way off my message, but I just want to deal with it since I'm on live. Watch this. I'm a different fellow right now. Let me tell you why I'm different. Let me tell you why I'm free. Let me tell you why there's certain things that just don't bother me anymore. Because God began to deal with me some time ago how I measured the success of my life. And what I found out, I wasn't using the Bible, watch this, to measure success. I was using the world standard to measure success. Watch this, because the world standard of measurement when it comes to success always involves progress. It always involves you moving ahead. That's right, but watch this. When you're doing a spiritual work, you can't measure spiritual work, watch this, on the world standard of success. When you look at the Bible, the standard of success is faithfulness. Come on, somebody. He's going to say in the end, well done. Watch this. Not successful servant. Not the one that's got 5,000 members. Come on, somebody. Not the one that blew up on YouTube. No, 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 no. Not the one who went viral. No, 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 no. The one he's going to bless, he's going to say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Some of us, you could be like Lot. Come on, somebody. Who preached for 120 years. And after preaching for 120 years, there was only eight souls that were saved. Come on. In this hour now, we would look at Lot and we'd say, man, you were a failure. Because after 120 years, you mean to tell me only eight people got saved? Maybe you need to change your style of preaching. Maybe you need to adjust some things in your message. Maybe maybe you too hard. Come on, somebody. Because after 120 years, eight people came to the Lord. But God looks at him and he says, it's not about the results. Matter of fact, you, you just plant the seed. You water the seed. Be faithful over what I told you to do. And that equates to success. Yeah. I'm a free man, I'm telling you. <laughs> because the reality is, in certain areas of my life, in certain areas of my life, I've sown seed and I've seen exceptional results. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, that's crazy. I did this and, and, and I get these particular results. And then there are other areas in my life, I, I was as faithful. Come on, I was as faithful and as committed. But the results, I'm like, oh, my goodness, it don't look like I did nothing in that particular area. So should I be borderline conceited over here in the areas that went well and borderline depressed in the areas that didn't go well? The devil is absolutely a liar. I'm just as happy in both of these situations. You know why? Because in the area that I sowed a seed and the, and, the, and the harvest skyrocketed, I was just as faithful in that area as I was when I sowed seed. And it didn't quite come to fruition like I wanted it to be. God's measure of success is always based on faithfulness. Can you say amen? Can I get back to my lesson now, y'all? Thank you. So watch this. So he helped him to remember Saul. This is how he remembered him. He remembered Saul as the man who chose not to do what God wanted him to do, so God rejected him. So Samuel, you're not a failure because it didn't work out. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Remember Saul that he made a choice to disobey me repeatedly, and I, God, chose. Let's dive a little bit deeper. So again, when, whenever you are going through the mourning process, there are four challenges. Number one, accept the reality of the loss. Two, embrace the pain. Don't try to deny the pain. I know it hurts. I know, I know, I know, I know. I've been there. I am there. And before I leave this earth, I'll know I will be there many more times. Watch this. Because whenever you love great, it always hurts hard. Yeah. So number two, embrace the pain of knowing that one day it will subside. Challenge number three, make the vital adjustments to a world without the laws. And here's challenge number four, choose how to constructively remember the laws. Let me show you in Moses' life, his successor, Joshua. In Deuteronomy chapter number 34, Moses died. So this is what God has to do for Joshua. 
he has to paint the reality broad, broad stroke. And he says to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. I need you to embrace this reality because I don't need you to just survive after the loss of Moses. My friend, I need you to thrive because what Moses was not able to do, bringing the children into the promised land, I'm going to use you. He, Moses brought them too, but I want you to bring them into. You won't just survive in the wilderness. No, in the wilderness, my friend, you will thrive in the promised land. So I need you to embrace the reality. Moses is dead. Uh, Deuteronomy 34 and 8, he gives him an opportunity to embrace the pain. The Bible declares, and the people of Israel wept for Moses in the plain of Moab 30 days. He gives them an opportunity to make the adjustments because whereas you were second in command and Moses handled all the hard cases, now I am provo promoting you to the leader of the nation. And what I need you to know, Joshua, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And then he gives him how I want you to remember Moses. Now, all of the mistakes that Moses made, we can bring up all of them. We could talk about how he killed a man and buried his body. We could, we could talk about how God told him to speak to the rock, and he got mad at the folk, and, and, and he struck the rock. We could talk about all of his mistakes, but this is how I want you to remember Moses. Remember, watch this, and there has not risen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. So watch this. God, God challenges him to accept the reality embrace the pain, make the adjustments, and choose in a constructive way to remember the law. So that was a very, very long introduction. Give me five more minutes, and I'll be out your way. So this is what I really want to deal with today. Yeah, so loss, loss, um, all loss equates to grief, and grief hurts. And whenever you're experiencing grief, you must go through the mourning process. All loss, all loss. You grieve because of it. Grief hurts, and you must take the pain through the mourning process. Here's the question I really have for you today. How should you respond when God is the source of your loss? I just, okay. So, so um, I, I had a friend. He had a um, car accident several months ago, and um, some, somebody said that the Lord just took him. No, no, no. He, he had an accident. He had an accident. I mean, it, it, it sounds better, you know, when people just say it like that, that, that the Lord just took him home early. Uh, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about that. I believe he's with the Lord, um, but I don't want to put that on God. Um, I had another uh, friend of the family. She had uh, um, a member of her family that was murdered, brutally murdered. And um, it, it sounded good, you know, at the funeral for somebody to say the Lord just took them home. Uh, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about that. There are times that we experience loss simply because of life, because of life, because of life. But then there are times when there is a distinct line that is drawn that we know that God is saying separate. This wasn't accidental. This wasn't coincidental. Um, as a, so, so watch this. There, there are times, there are many times, shucks, over the past, I don't know, uh, 12 years, uh, people have, have, have left the church. They, they left the church. And as a pastor, um, you don't get to choose how much you pour into somebody based on um, what they look like or what they drive or what they give or nothing. No, you pour into people. Um, because that's your responsibility. That's what you're called to do. I'm faithful to it. Um, so there have been many people, despite their past, despite who they are, what they've done or whatever, I have to pour into them. And whenever you pour into somebody, you're making an investment. And if you make an investment into anything, your heart gets attached. And when your heart gets attached to people and for whatever reason, um, it could be they, they just got crazy. Um, it could be they didn't like something in the ministry, something that I preached. Sometimes I could have done something and they decided to leave. Um, loss equates to grief. Th that just happens. But then there are times <laughs> when God steps in and he says, this relationship will no longer be. There are times when God steps in and he says, this opportunity that you created it's over with today. <laughs> this business that you started, <laughs> that you lied on me and told the world and the church, 
that I opened the door for you. The lie ends today. It's time to walk away. And all loss equates to grief, even when God is the source of the loss. And when we look at Genesis chapter number 19, I, I hope y'all still with me. Matter of fact, I probably just should have started the message with this because <laughs> this is what I really want to say today. Oh, my goodness. In Genesis chapter number 19, uh, we see God initiating a loss. And, and watch this. It doesn't hurt less, come on, when God says it as opposed to natural courses of life transpiring my god sometimes it hurt even worse because unlike some opportunities whenever there's a loss sometimes you see a finality of that thing so it's hard to return back to it but when god says separate from something that's still there i want to help somebody in this place and he speaks watch this and he says in genesis chapter number 19 verses 13 uh, the Bible declares, because we are going to destroy this place, the outcry to the Lord against its people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. And the counsel of his own will, he has made a choice, watch this, to separate Lot and his family from this city. 15 declares, when the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, hurry, take your, look, look at the urgency. The angel says, hurry up, man, take your wife and your two daughters who are here and you or you will be swept away when the city is punished. When he hesitated, he, he hesitated. Why are you hesitating? I know God is separate. I know God is the cause of this separation, but understand separation equates the loss. All loss equates to grief and grief hurts. So he hesitated. I, I, I do want to stay. I do want to stay. But, but, but why do you want to stay? Lord? I'll tell you why I want to stay. Because I have an attachment to this city. Understand, Lot uh, uh, Sodom was the city that Lot chose when he separated from his uncle Abraham. Abraham says, Lot, my, my ne nephew, 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 this is what I want you to do. Look, at, look from, from the east, the west, north, south, any place that you want to go, it's yours. And we will separate from one another. And he looked out at Sodom and Gomorrah and he saw the green plains, plains and he decided, I am going there. And when he went there, according to the text, he becomes a leader in the city. He buys property in the city. He raises his daughters in the city. Not only does he raise his daughters, they're to the age where they get, he's getting ready to, he's getting ready to give them away at one of the local chapels in this particular city. His wife, watch this, she redecorated the house in this particular city. They had upgrade. Her heart is attached to something that God says, separate from. So they are grieving. 16 declares, when he hesitated, the men grasped his hand at the hands of his wife and his two daughters and led them safely out of the city for the Lord was merciful to them. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting what God calls mercy? They look at as a form of punishment. Hmm. Because God is God, he at times will tell you what to do but not necessarily tell you why he wants to do it and um, in our ignorance because sometimes we feel as though that we're wiser than God we stay connected to something that God is separating us from because in our limited wisdom limited sight we can't see what he see and it's very prideful for you to say if, if you show me what you see then I'll walk away the question is, who's God then? If you God, sit on your own throne, player, and see how well, see how far that take you. But God in his infinite wisdom, there are times he'll tell you what to do, but won't tell you why he's doing it. When he hesitated, the men grasped his hand in the hands of his wife and of his two daughters and led them safely out of the city. For the Lord was merciful to them. 17 declares, as soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, flee for your lives. Don't look back. Don't stop anywhere in the plane. Watch this. With this disconnection that God is orchestrating. I know your heart is attached, but I know better for your life. I, I, know, I know you guys have connected. I know you've made an investment. It's, it's so interesting, man. 
um, I, I was a part of a, 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 a organization um, and um, earlier this year, God told me to get out. And um, what is, it was, was crazy. He told me to get out, but I was hesitant because I didn't see the pandemic. <laughs> I, was, I, I hesitated because I thought I would have the time, the resources, the, the opportunity to do what I wanted while staying connected to this particular organization. And he tells me to get out of the organization. And um, the reason he told me to get out because there was other things that he wanted me to commit my time to that this organization, great organization, but it was kind of tying my hand, watch this. So the day that I'm supposed to get out, um, they voted me to stay another six months. Yeah. And watch this. A week later, two weeks later, pandemic hit. I'm convicted in my heart because I know I was supposed to get out then. Why did you stay? Why did you stay? Why did you disobey Pastor McGee? Because my heart was attached. Investments that I made in the organization, time into the organization. I wanted to see more fruit from my investment, but God knows what he's doing. He says, separate. As soon as they had brought them out, verse number 17, and one of them said, watch this, flee for your lives. Don't look back. Don't stop anywhere in the plains. I'm causing a separation. I want you to run away. God, God, there's some of you guys that God is talking to right now, and he says, don't walk away. Run away. Run away. Run away. There's certain, yeah, let me just say it. There's certain relationships that some, there's certain toxic relationships that some of you guys are in right now. And God is saying, run away, run away. Watch this, run, flee for your life. Because there's some of you guys involved in some stuff that's getting ready to kill you. It's getting ready to naturally take your life. There's some of you guys, spiritually, it has, it has zapped you of your spiritual vitality right now. And God is saying, run for your life. Not only, not only run, don't look back. Why not look back? Because if you, if you look back, oh, my God, un, understand, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, so he will become. When you look back, it's a sign that you've already settled in your heart that you're ready to go back. So I want you to run from what I'm separating you from, Lot, your, your wife, your daughter. I want you to run, man, from what it is that I have separated you from. Don't look back. And watch this. <laughs> don't stop anywhere in the plane. That's so powerful. Run, don't look back, and don't settle anywhere next to what I'm separating you from. That's in the text right there. I want you to run, not walk. I don't want you to look back. And I don't want you to even look at their Facebook profile no more. <laughs> Twenty-three declares, by the time Lot reached Zoar, the sun had risen over the land. Then the Lord rained down, burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the, from the Lord out of the heavens. But Lot's wife, here it is right there. She looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. Yeah. So Lot's wife in this particular text is where... Some of you guys are right now. And here's the thing. God don't give me messages just to give them. To, he don't give them to me for my health. <laughs> he don't do that. Uh, when God starts talking to me about the people, it's because that's where the people are. And there's some of you guys, you are spiritually and some naturally stuck. Lot's wife becomes stuck. You know why she becomes stuck? Because she refuses to go through the mourning process. All loss produces grief. All grief must be processed. If you lose and you grieve and you grieve but don't process, you become stuck in the middle of the process. And there are some of you guys right now, you are stuck. Here's, here's my question to you guys. Ch challenge number one. Challenge number one. Um, are you stuck? I, I need you. Can, can you just help me? Can you help me for a second? I, I, don't, want, I, don't, I don't need to know the type of loss. I don't even want to know whether it's a divine separation or 
just a life separation. Sometimes life just happens, but then there are times when there is a divine, God says, today this is over. I'm going to pray for you, but I want to know where, where are you stuck? It, it, for some of you guys, is it challenge number one, challenge number one? Is it, is it, is it that you just stand in there, I just can't believe is it the reality of the loss that I'm, I'm stuck there? And it's just hard for me to believe that this happened to, to me. This happened so fast. This happened unexpectedly. I heard God say, if that's you, just put challenge one. That's me, Pastor. Challenge one. Challenge one. That's me. I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time. I'm stuck because I'm having a hard time just accepting the reality that this is where I am right now. Yeah. Maybe somebody else in that situation, but me, I can't believe I, I can't believe I'm here at this age. I can't believe I'm here at this stage. I can't believe that I know this much about God, but yet I'm stuck. Challenge number one. There's some of you guys, you are, you stuck in challenge number two. Challenge number two. You're doing everything that you can to minimize the pain of the loss. You, there's some of you guys, and this is what the enemy often does, like, like, watch this, watch this, watch this. So, if God was, celeb if he was separating Lot's wife from a tangible relationship, let's say she had a boo <laughs> in Sodom. Yeah. Her looking back was a sign that if the city wasn't on fire, she would have said, bump you Lot, bump you God, I'm going back to my lover. And that's what some of you guys are stuck at right now. Mm. You won't, you'd rather disobey God than experiencing the pain of obedience. Oh, my God. I want to just hang there for a sec. I'm over time. Ooh-wee. I'm way over time, but I just got to hang there. You won't embrace the pain. And I'm telling you, mm, not a popular message you won't hear it much, but when it comes to serving God, there are times, my friend, it will be painful. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. We just like the part, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. I like that too, but prior to that, many are the It is painful, my friend, in serving God. So the reality is it's easy to go back to the old patterns of sin to anesthetize the pain. But after you come down from your high, my friend, pain's still going to be there. When you come down from whatever pleasure you choose to experience to minimize the pain, when the high of that feeling is done, you're still going to have to go through the process. I choose to embrace my pain by faith. What do you mean by faith? I embrace it knowing won't hurt this way always. Remember years ago, man, I, my wife called it a midlife crisis because uh, I wanted a motorcycle. I just wanted a motorcycle. All my buddies had one. <laughs> so I wanted a motorcycle. And I'm so crazy. I'm so crazy. I'm out there with a motorcycle with no helmet, no jacket, T-shirt, and shorts on, y'all. And I think I had a nerd hat on some flip-flops. I know crazy. But I was just showing out on my new bike, right? With my crazy self, I'm out there, oh, spinning out in, in all that craziness. And watch this with them shorts. Woo-wee. I put that leg too close to that tailpipe. And my skin said, <laughs> that skin shriveled up. I'm talking about in seconds, y'all. But you know, I'm a man, I couldn't be like, ah, I was like, ha, ha, ha. You know what's crazy? Um, on this leg, to this day, I still have that scar. I just don't have the pain. <laughs> and I'm telling you, there's certain losses you'll go through, you'll carry a scar. But you don't always have to carry the pain. 
process to get to that place is embracing the pain and faith. What is faith? Knowing it won't always hurt like this. Then there's some of you guys, you stuck like I was with my sister. Um, I, I knew I had accepted the reality of a loss. Um, God really did help me with that. One of the ways he helped me with that, I kept dreaming about her. And in every dream, I'm walking with her, I'm talking to her. And at the end of every dream, she'll tell me, I got to go now. I got to. <laughs> and so for several, several weeks, I woke up just kind of teared up because of the reality. I had such a good time. But Jan, she told me bye at the end of the dream. He helped me to accept that reality. I embraced the pain well. I embrace the pain. I embrace the pain. It doesn't hurt like it used to. It, it doesn't hurt like it used to. I still miss her, God knows. I still think about her. Just don't hurt like it used to. I've had to make the vital adjustments to what she offered me. Yeah, in our relationship as brother and sister, I had to make the adjustment. Um, I, I, I spent a little bit more time talking to my other big sister, Fawn. I spent a little bit more time talking to Karki, reaching out to my parents. That that time, that space of time that I would talk to her on the phone or we would communicate. J Jan was the person, whenever I had exceptional news, and uh, my wife would tell you this, I am a true introvert. I call myself an introvert with people's skills. So I can interact with people. I can do stuff like this publicly speaking, but where would I rather be? <laughs> in my office on, with a book in my hand. That's... That's where I'd rather be. I'm a, I'm a true introvert. So whenever I have like super fantastic news, I'm my wife, she'll share it for me on Facebook, but I probably never put it on there. I just, I'm just kind of a private guy. But when something exceptional happens in my life, Jan was the person I'd pick up the phone and call and say, Jan, my God, you won't believe what just happened to me, girl. I had to make some adjustments because I still needed to vent. I still needed to express and share I had to make the adjustments of who I call now, who I share those things with. Number four was where I was stuck for a while, guys. And there's some of you guys, you stuck right there. You stuck. Because how you choose to remember the person is a destructive mental pattern. How you gonna say that, Pastor? I'll tell you why. Because it's one thing to experience pain simply because of the loss. But there's some of you guys experience a, another measure of pain because how you remember the loss. God had to deal with me to help me formulate my thoughts and my memory in a constructive way so that it brought joy when I thought about my sister and not pain in my heart. There's some of you guys that stuck there. Let me hear you. Come, come on, where, where you at? Where you at? Just, just, just raise your hand. Just put in the chat, Pastor, I'm stuck. I'm stuck because I want to, God... I'm anointed to pray for stuck people today. I'm anointed today to pray for stuck people because I'm telling you today, God just don't want you to survive, my friend. God wants you to thrive. He wants you to thrive. If that's you, I want to pray for you today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Chris, give me some real soft, man. I like what you're playing. Turn that up a little bit. I want to. Ah, I want you to get in a posture of prayer. And even all of you guys in the sanctuary today, if you've identified yourself in the area that I'm, I'm stuck, I'm, I'm stuck, stuck. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for you today. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, God, there's some hurting people, God, under the sound of my voice right now. Some people, God, that are watching me. And God, deep on the inside, maybe they hadn't been able to admit it to other people. But God, they're suffering right now. They're stuck, God. Not embracing the reality of this law. Stuck, Lord God. Unable to make the adjustment. They are, they are stuck with a bad memory of what happened, God. And I, I feel... I feel their pain today. But I know, Jesus, that you are a healer. And I'm asking you to heal, heal, heal. 
Yeah, it's one thing, Lord God, to naturally go through the process, and we can do that. But today, Jesus, to those who are listening to the sound of my voice, I'm asking you, God, to miraculously intervene. You intervene with Samuel, God. You came to him and asked him, how long, how long will you grieve? In essence, how long are you going to stay in this mourning process? It's time for you, my son, to make the physical and the internal adjustments. Now, you intervene, God, not only with him, you intervened with Joshua and you told him plainly, Moses is dead. I need you to accept this reality that he is gone and I'm choosing you to be his successor. God, I believe that you're the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. If you intervene for those men of God, you're able to do it right now in this particular hour. And I'm praying, God, for that woman of God that's stuck right now, stuck, unable to embrace the reality that I have experienced this type of loss. That individual that's shocked, my God, how could I be going through this and in this particular season of my life? Help them, Lord God, to navigate successfully through this morning process, Jesus. For that brother, for that sister, God, that's rehearsing that bad memory, that negative memory. Yes, the devil is absolutely a liar. I'm asking you, God, to pull the goodness out of that relationship, God. Pull the goodness out of that relationship. Yes, pull the goodness out of that opportunity. Even when they look back, God, you separated Lot, God, from the city of Gomorrah, from the city of Sodom. But he can still say, the city was good because I had an opportunity to raise my babies in that city. And I'm I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna uh, uh, throw stones at God. I'm not gonna be upset and angry at God. God knows what's best, and that's the way I choose to remember it. God knows what is best, even when I do not. God, I'm praying for stuck people today. Jesus, stuck. Stuck, stuck, stuck people. God, free, free my brother today. God, free, free my sister on today, Father. Yes, free, 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 and I thank you, God, for doing it. I thank you, God, for doing it. I thank you, God, for doing it right now, Lord. That brother needs to make that adjustment, God, in the relationship. Somebody needs to make an adjustment in their mind. The enemy got them feeling as though that they are worth nothing, but the devil today is absolutely a liar, Father. Help them to make the adjustments, Jesus, so they'll navigate properly through. God, for that brother, for that sister, God, that's having a hard time embracing pain. It's interesting how the devil offers sin as an opportunity to minimize the pain and then he turns around and condemns them and taunt them because of the sin that he offers to them. The cycle is broken today. Somebody type that in the chat. The cycle is broken today. You involved in that sin is not because it's so enticing. There's some of you guys that you involved in a relationship. He ain't that fine and she ain't that sexy. But the devil has offered them as an opportunity to minimize the pain of the loss. But it, it, the cycle today is broken in the name of Jesus. We embrace the pain knowing by faith it won't always hurt this bad. It won't always hurt this bad. It will subside. It will be minimized. God, I'm praying and interceding on the behalf of your people today. And God, I know you hear my voice. And I know not just Greg, but today you hear her voice. You hear his voice. So God, I thank you, Jesus, for liberating.